Good evening. Hidden Treasures Revealed is on the air for Tuesday, March the 28th. Welcome in all those listening that are listening live and or will be listening later. And um, we'll be talking about some very interesting spiritual things tonight. See where uh, Mother, the Holy Spirit takes us. And we'll be back with you in just a short few moments here. Have you ever wondered, is there more to the Word of God than just words on the page? Join us for an in-depth journey into the truth of God by means of open, Socratic conversation. In Proverbs chapter 2, the Word of God says, If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, And if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Welcome to Hidden Treasures Revealed. Well, good evening to everyone. And I'm here tonight with my brother in faith, Josh. Josh, how are we doing this evening? Doing well. Doing well, Sean. Thank you for asking. How are you? Well, doing really good. Uh, It was a really good functional day. You know, challenges and different things going on, just opportunity to apply the lessons of Yah that we've been given over the past months and years and days. And this evening we're going to be talking about, well, really we'll be talking about what Yah wants us to talk about, but where we're going to start out is Something that I really enjoy at times is, and I haven't really talked about this in a lot of detail, but my the job that I do here in this world, I'm in insurance, and something that I really enjoy is I will see different quotes, or you could look at it today like memes or billboards, things like that. Like I used to walk around the office and people would have a quote on their desk that says, you know, the day is going good, don't ruin it, or you know, you know, stupid people keep away, you know, just stuff like funny stuff. But sometimes there would really be ones to where this is a really good anecdote because it really makes you think about faith. And I would drive around and I would see signs on churches and kind of like the church sign things like it would be a message. And, oh, well, it's an interesting message. We can talk about that. And this is something that actually wasn't on one of those billboards. But it was something that I heard once or twice and something that I really used to watch a lot. And yeah, it actually helped me because I was had an addiction to it and no longer have an addiction to it was watching NASCAR. That was one of the big things that I was really I was really into. And being here in the United States, really, if you're on the East Coast and, and on the West Coast as well, that NASCAR is really big and still is. And. I was just sitting at my desk today and just one of those things I was thinking about some stuff and all of a sudden a saying came about to me and I was like, wow, this is, we could tie this to faith in in Yah and we're going to start out talking about this and just see where Yah goes with it because this is so important, especially in having understanding of what the faith journey is. And this was in regards to, you know, somebody that's either starting out in racing or even if you have a goal to win a race. And here's, here's the quote. 
to finish first, you must first finish. And the key was, I know you're excited about your first race. You know, you're, you're, for example, you're in the all-star race, you're in like the short track, whatever you really like. And I know you're excited. You're on the pole. You're, but in order to win the race, you've got to finish the race. You can't go out there and run the fastest lap and try to pass everybody on the first turn. And you're going to wreck yourself. You're going to wreck the field. So be careful, calm down. You got 500 miles. Just take it easy because in order to win the race, you've got to finish it. You can't get to the very last lap you're in the last turn and you spin out and wreck and you don't finish. No, you've got to finish in order to win the race. And what spoke to me about this was, is that faith in Yah is a race. And the goal is to finish. Now people would say, well, you want to finish first. Well, in faith, it's about, first of all, Messiah, has already won the race. He's the author and finisher of our faith that we have, that he's gone into heaven. He's the winner, like he's finished. So walking as he did, you must finish the race. You have to start and you have to finish. You can't, you could get all the way to the end and get right up to the finish line and stop and you didn't finish. Well, I did, I got right there and I I did all the laps and no, you didn't do all the laps. You didn't finish the race. You've got to go all the way to the end. And made me think of to finish first, which Messiah says, humble yourself. Those who humble themselves will be exalted, and those that exalt themselves will be humbled. So the first shall be last, and the last first. So the goal is in in Messiah, you win the race, like you're first in him, but he's the one that's, he's the, he's gone into the heavenly places. He's there. He's opened up the door for us to finish the race and win it. And the goal is make sure you figure out what you must do in order to finish the race, because faith is, we've talked about this a few times, many times, actually, that the concepts of Yah, the truth of Yah, is not a linear concept, which a linear concept is you start and then it just has an end. Like a, you know, you run a 50 yard dash or you run a hundred yard dash. <clears throat> but with faith in Yah, the goal is, is that it's circular to where you start and it continues to increase and go around and go around and go around. So you have to start the race but the goal is, is to finish. And in order to finish, you've got to go through, like now they have actually stage racing where you have two stages, three stages, it used to be no stages. You would just start and they may have cautions and things where you stop and you have pit stops and different things like that. But faith is in Hebrews, it says that let us run the race with endurance, that you need endurance because it's a race. It's not a sprint. Because a sprint means you start and finish and it's over with. And that's a lot of the concepts where we came from in Christianity that, well, what's the the race? Well, you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, you're saved. So it's done. You know, everything is done. And then from there, you just, you know, you should do these things and you, you, sh- you should do this and you should do that. But no, I mean, I'm saved. And because that's the thing, like you say, you're saved, which means it's done, where we have the hope of salvation, 
where we persevere and endure through this race that we have so that in the end, as long as you persevere till death, that you will get the prize. And that prize ultimately is eternal life. But the race itself, you've got to compete according to the rules. Because if you don't compete according to the rules, you'll be disqualified. And you don't want to get to the point where you're disqualified, you fall short of the grace of God, that no, you persevere and endure to the end. And with what we're talking about, with faith in God, with all these concepts, it's about taking them and going around it again and increasing and moving and growing. It's a circular mindset that once you start, that like just once you create something, it's always creating it. Well, it's created <clears throat> and it evolves and it continues to evolve. And that's why the things that we talk about, we'll talk about this again at some point. We'll talk about running the race. We'll talk about <clears throat> what it means to run the race with endurance. And we'll continue to learn and grow in that as long as we make the decision that we're just going to continue to move and grow in it. But do you know what to do in the race in order to train yourself to be able to endure and make it through to the end? Because a lot of people assume that, well, yeah, I'm running the race and, and I'm good, but Think about if you had a race in a city or something and you see people with, they have the numbers on the little piece of paper pinned to their clothes or their shirt. And yeah, because they're, they're entered into the race. That, well, you get in there and you start running beside them. Well, you can run beside them. Yeah, you might be going what you think is the same direction, but you're not entered in the race yet. That you're not recognized as being in the race, so you're running in vain. So you may think that you're running alongside with me, but you're not with me that no, you've got to enter the race. You've got to get a number. You've got to qualify and then get in and then persevere to the end. Because a lot of people assume that I'm just running along with all these other people and I'm in the race and you get to the end and it's like, who are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm such and such. Remember I did all this and I did this in your name and no, you didn't enter the race. I never knew you get away from me. You who practice lawlessness. So this is just another beautiful thing that Yod has in their creation that anything and everything you see in the creation of Yah, you can tie it back to faith because everything was made with a purpose to show you the aspect of faith that you want to run a 26.2 mile marathon. There's things that you have to do in order to train yourself to be able to run that and to make it through to the end that, you know, you don't start out running 26 miles and you don't run it every day. No, you start out training yourself, just like the word says, train yourself to be godly. Well, you have to know how to train. You have to know what exercises do. You have to know, well, what does the Bible say about what I, what's called of me to do and how must I do it? And, okay, well, all right, you have to start and then build endurance and then continue to go. And then once you, you're building yourself up, then all right, I'm ready to run the race, but it's your body will, your body not necessarily will be, you're not going to be in a position where you're going to be running 26 miles consistently. That's where you get to a point and pretty much you're just pushing through to get to the end. And even people that do triathlons, which is another beautiful picture of Yah that, you know, the different aspects of the gospel, 
But the main premise where we're starting tonight, Josh, is that it's this faith that we talk about, those that are listening, that are tuning in, that are seeking with all their heart, that really have set it in their mind with resolve that I'm going to seek with all my heart and I'm going to continue this. I'm never going to stop that. Make sure that you run according to the rules because the rules have been laid out clearly that, and we've been, we haven't necessarily broke down every aspect we've touched on different things, but if you don't know how to run the race, then, and you don't know what it takes, then you're not going to be able to make it to the end. And with the different aspects of the gospel that in each step of the gospel, you have to, you know, you walk through, you seek with all your heart and then you believe God and then you have godly sorrow and repentance and obedience and trust in each part. You've got to persevere and endure to be tested in it in order to move on to the next stage and even have this thought about this. There's another concept of you go to grade school and let's say you go to kindergarten, first grade, second. Well, you're not going to move on to the next grade until you've met whatever the teacher's guidelines are for you to move on because the teacher decides when you move on. Now, you can start in and you may go through the curriculum quicker and you may be able to move quicker in some places or some may say, well, no, we're all going to be moving in this together. You can, I'll give you some materials and things, but until I see and you've proven that you're ready for the next grade, you're not going on to the next grade. And that's the thing with faith is that you can look at, I want to have the fullness of faith, but you're not going to go right in and get right to the end. You've got to go through each step. And, and Yah, who was the teacher will look at you and make sure that you qualify and that you make it through each step before moving on to the next, because one it's going to be detrimental for you to move on before you're ready to go to the next, you know, stage. If you don't have running shoes or you don't have, you know, you never run before or any, and you don't know how to run or you don't know how to push yourself, then you're going to hurt yourself as opposed to you do what I tell you to do and you do it and you listen to me and I'll make it clear when you're ready for the next step. Like you don't, not only can you not jump ahead, I'm not going to allow you to jump ahead. And because one, it's for your own protection and two that, no, I'm going to, you're going to be tested in this before you even go another step to the next area. And we've just come from a background of you just make this decision and you're done, but there's so much more detail in it. And just like with covenant, with contracts, make sure you read the contract and you know what the guidelines are, what are the rules for the race to make sure you follow them, to make sure you know what they are one. So you can enter the race and then others that want to enter, you can give them the information so that they can enter the race and run that into endurance because this is just so crucial because people will, I mean, the word makes it clear that, you know, make sure that you don't, you know, get as you're going and all of a sudden you decide that you want to quit the race. Well, that's going to be detrimental to you. The only thing, you know, waiting for you is, is the fearful expectation of fire and judgment. You know, you put your hand to the plow and make sure that you don't have the aspect that you're going to look back, that you're going to continue to move forward in this faith and you're not going to quit ever. So those are the thoughts, Josh, I had, I don't know if you had anything come to mind, but really that's where we're, and again, we'll see where our mother goes with this, but that this journey of faith is, it's not for it to be rushed through and it's not to delay, but it does take time and it does take practice. And I mean, people that are listening, it, 
it took us probably, I'll just speak for me, like 40 some years of lower programming that you come to this knowledge of truth that it's going to take time to deal with the lower conscience programming and all the things that have been repeated and ingrained in your lower conscience that it's going to take time to make changes and for those to stick. And that's why you do your due diligence that each time that something is brought to us, that you evaluate it, walk in it the best you can, and then y'all make it clear if you're missing something or you need to, to do something. And it's not that you just wait for y'all to tell you that you actively look for it, but y'all make things clear if you're not sure what to do, that this journey is, um, it is a race, but it's not meant for you just to rush through. It's just realize that it's going to take time and there is a very methodical order to this faith journey. Just love the way mother works. Multiple things come into mind. And I'm, as I'm sitting there getting things coming to me, I'm like, okay, so what order are we going with this? Cause there's numerous directions this can go. One of the things that came to mind was um, my grandmother actually does or did triathlons. They're called Ironmans. It's one of the top elite ones where you run so many miles and you swim so many miles and you bike so many miles. And I remember learning this lesson as a little kid going to one of those events and they got everybody lined up and like, hey, if you guys want to feel what it's like to run a mile, this is one of the miles they're going to do. As a little kid, I never ran a mile. So I started off at the beginning of the pack trying to keep up with all these older kids and I was sprinting as fast as I could and we were all right in a line and we got about 10 yards out and they started to really get ahead of me. And I kept trying to run with them and kept trying to run with them and before I even got to a half a mile, I was out of breath, wasn't, I was walking at that point. And by the time we got to the end of the mile and then turn around to come back, I remember being young enough that young enough and being whiny enough to tell my mom, I can't do this anymore. And she picked me up and carried me the last half of that mile to get back. So I'm sitting here thinking about that from a point of view of faith. And it's not just with that, um, that one instance, it happens throughout our entire lives that we condition ourselves like the lower programming that you're bringing up to quit when it gets hard because we don't want it bad enough. And I don't know what period of time when I was on the podcast, we talked about want versus desire. And a desire is a driving force and a want is a fleeting dream or a wish. And with that mindset, going from a triathlon to a working out aspect, people that work out. If there's someone who's worked out for years and years and years, they're committed to that lifestyle. If there's someone that's just getting into it, the hardest time for them is the first three months. They make a new year's resolution. They decide they're going to lose weight, whatever it is. They start going to the gym. They start eating right for three months. They do this consistently. In that first three months, they lose maybe 10 or 12 pounds. Wow, I'm doing great. Okay, well, that puts a preconceived notion in their mind that I'm doing well. I can I can ease up a little bit. And then they stop. They start to gain the right weight back again because all they've really done is put their body in a state of being to carry this out to really reach their end goal. And... I can't tell you how many times I've seen that at a gym or anything like that. You, that January rolls around. The gym's totally packed. 
and you can't get a parking space and you can't get any equipment and everybody's in there working out and it's all new faces. And by March or May, you're back down to your crew. You normally were, you've lost a hundred people out of that gym. And that same thing applies to faith and coming from a Christian background, you're taught that it's all about that big emotional decision. And it's the hardest thing you're going to do. And just go ahead and make that decision that you're going to give your life to Yah. It's easy. And you go, yeah, I need to clarify, not Yah, God. And you go up front and you make your statement and profession and you feel a little bit embarrassed and a little bit put out and, oh, okay, that's, that's it. That's that moment. No, that's just you making a statement. You have to live up to that statement. That goes back to vowing before Yah. If you make a vow and it comes out of your mouth, Yah will demand it of you. So my thoughts tying into that go into it's carrying it out day to day throughout your life, a godly training aspect. You don't instantly get results with a ton of effort. You get results over a consistent effort for a consistent period of time, and that's what builds up endurance. Running in a marathon, I don't like to run, so I would start off with a couple miles and then add to that. If I ever finished a marathon, if I set my mind to it, I would. I'd be happy just to finish it because to me, that's a lot of work and a lot of effort, but building to that, if that was a desire of mine, I would do it. So those are, those are my thoughts that tie into that as we're talking about the desire and the want. Is it really a desire or is it just a want? If it's a desire, you're going to carry it through. If it's a want, you're just going to do it for a while and then something else is going to come by that you want more and you're going to switch to that. Well, thinking about what you're saying with want and desire, that the want is in your upper conscience, is in your mind. The desire is in the heart. And the the reason that you have to build desire is because you, you start out by setting it in your mind and then it, it's got to get into your heart. But you have to make the decision that I want this. Well, just wanting something without doing the work, it's not going to build a desire. The desire is that that's your, you've repeated it so many times that you've actually acquired a taste for whatever you're talking about. That's really where that desire is. When you taste that the Lord is good, that you're, you're now desiring it because the word says that when, you know, don't be, uh, what is it? The, you know, don't be deceived that what you reap is what you sow. And when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it brings forth death. Well, yes, that's for in the earthly nature, but for, for faith that when desire for God is conceived, meaning it gets in the heart, it gives birth to righteousness, which that's talking about when you're born again, when you actually enter into the kingdom of God, gives birth to righteousness. And when full grown brings forth eternal life, like when you're, you're, you're birthed into the kingdom, like you have eternal life. So it goes both ways. But um, we've had this thing to where you, you can want something and you can say, I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it. Well, but I really want to go to Starbucks and get a coffee. No, I'm going to go to Starbucks and get a coffee. Okay, well, now there's action. So the want and action, and then you get that coffee. And I know from Anna Ruth, from what I remember, a white chocolate mocha something or whatever. I'm not, can't remember, but. I'm sure no one I'm talking about that 
oh man, I want that. Why? Because you've acquired a taste, you built a desire for it, that that's automatically, that's what you, you want and you can build those desires. And it's the same thing with a race that you start out training. Like you have to start out in a process, like running the mile, you have to be able to run a mile before you can run two and you have to run two before you can run three. Now, not that you can't run a mile and then run five or, but it, it's in the assets of building up that strength that, cause I even had this because I play trumpet and if you want to build yourself up and you want to build endurance for playing a long time or playing higher notes, well, to play longer, you've got to play longer, you know, just like if you want to run farther, you've got to run more and you got to practice more, but then you do it in a methodical way that you, you build up, tear down, and then it gets rebuilt. And like, you've got to tear down muscle to be able to rebuild it. And that's the thing with faith. If you're taught like we were, you just do this one thing and you have it. Well, of course, what are you going to do on the world? Well, I want to lose weight. So I'll just go to the gym and I'll have it. Oh, I didn't realize it was work. Well, there's days where I just don't feel like it. Yeah, there is. And there's days where you just, I'll just do it tomorrow. And no, and you have to tell yourself, no, I'm not doing that. I'm going to do this. And then, and that's the thing with faith is that it takes practice and practice is just repetitive action of whatever you've set your mind to do. And, you know, we're even told and we were told by Yah that in regards to mind control, what's the most basic form of mind control? Repetition that how do you control something? You keep doing it over and over and you keep hearing it that, oh yeah, I want to lose weight. Or you see infomercials that show somebody in tip top shape and man, look at that. They lost all the weight, but you don't see all the struggle they had to go through to get to that. All you see is the end result. And well, that's easy. Well, that's what I want. Well, I want to run this race, but if it's easy, well, no, 26 miles, all the impacts and collisions on your knees, your joints, and it, and I'm with you that, I mean, I used to run a lot and I don't have a desire right now to run. I enjoy walking, um, with the weight I am and stuff, but I mean, I could set my mind to running and then I would just start the process of training myself to do it. But, um, yeah, the, in, in regards to faith that we're not telling people that this is an easy journey because it isn't now as you brainwash and mind control in the things of Yah, there will be ease. And I'm not going to say you don't have moments where it is, there is some ease in it, but this faith is not an easy button. Like years ago, they had that staples easy button and I used to have one and I don't know where it is now, but you would hit that little button and it would say that was easy. And really that's what people think that, well, if it's easy and, and I'm not saying that I didn't have that idea in the past, well, I just want this to be easy. And and I had that in my life that dealing with things where I just wanted to go easy. Well, the only way for something to have ease is you've got to overcome it and you've got to persevere in and through, you've got to conquer it. And it's so interesting, you know, how thoughts will come to your mind about these things that something that uh, me and my wife that she likes watching is she's gotten interested in like the Mount Everest and the K2 Himalayan expeditions. And it was interesting because the other night there was one on Everest and Everest um, is a very interesting mountain. You know, it's the tallest uh, mountain in the world and it actually sits between Tibet and Nepal. And really now it's kind of got to a point where there's so many people that are going to it that 
it's more of like a tourist attraction than people like one or two people would just go and do it. And there's a lot of people and I mean, people get killed going up there. I mean, it's so dangerous. And it was fascinating because we were watching one of the episodes and they were going in a, well, no, it was a, a video about, I think it was 1922 that they actually went and they were going to figure out they wanted to climb Everest. They didn't just go right up to Everest. They didn't say we're going to Everest and we'll just go right to the top. They spent, if I remember right, it was about a year and they actually had different expeditions on all around the sides going up to figure out what's the best way to go up this mountain because we've never done it. We're not used to the terrain and they had people that were drawing maps. And like you think about being dedicated, like think about going there and drawing a map by hand and actually figuring it out. And, you know, in, in the world, like when they sent out the spies to look at the land, you know, look at the land and, and, and watch it and figure out a way to scale this mountain. Because if you don't understand how to scale this mountain, you are going to die. And even Abba telling the Israelites, telling Moses that, Tell the people, do not come up on this mountain because they're going to, they're going to die. Don't rush up to the mountain. And then they wanted Moses to speak on their behalf, but with Yah and their glory, with the lightning and the thundering and the smoke, and they were just terrified of God. And that was the point to, to bring terror. But this faith journey, you've got to look at faith as that Mount Everest and you need Sherpas. You need people to carry weight. You need people to guide you through. And Messiah has scaled Everest and you want Everest, then you're going to have to go through the death zone. You, they have, you have different base camps. You have seeking with all your heart and you have repentance. You've got a base camp. You've got obedience. You've got another base camp. You've got trust. And then you get, you get up near the summit and you need that oxygen. You need mother. And you've got to have the Sherpas, those, the prophets and those that have been through it before us to, We've put the line down for you and we've scaled this and we know what this takes, but you, you've got to do the work. Like the Sherpa is not going to like your mom, you know, doing what she knew to do at that time, you know, doing the best that she could. She was carrying you. Well, this is the way I want it to be easy, but the Sherpa, and for those that don't know, the Sherpas are the people that are in the the native area that will help to uh, carry the, the gear and give insight and help people going up and down the mountain and kind of like guides and things. But you think about Everest doing that, that you've got to acclimate yourself to the atmosphere, that this faith is a different atmosphere and it's going to be wintry. It's going to be blustery. It's going to be cold. You're going to have days of absolutely, you just want to sit there and just stop for a while and you'll need to push through. There's time you get altitude poisoning because you, you go into something without making it clear that y'all want you to do it. And you feel that altitude poisoning and you got to come back down come back down to altitude. You're, you're, you're not going to get to that part yet. You're going too high. You're hurting yourself. You, you can't go that far yet. And then you'll get to that mountaintop circumcision of the heart and all right, Josh, I've done it. I made the summit. No, now you get to go back down, which is even more treacherous because now you can look down and see your lower programming. Oh my gosh, I didn't see because you're, you're sitting on top of the world and you're looking down at all the programming that you didn't realize is there. And now you've got to go back down, taking what you've learned and then climb up Everest from another side and then come back down. And then, and just this, this is awesome. Just being given to me as I'm speaking it out of my mouth, that this is a, a another beautiful picture of y'all that don't climb 
up Everest without oxygen, you're going to get to the death zone. You're going to start dying slowly. You cannot see God and live as a human. You must have a covering. You must see God from the spiritual with Messiah to be able to scale that mountain that you're not going to be able to survive up there. And it's not meant to you to sur survive up there alone. The, the point is, is, yeah, you see this mountain, that that's to the kingdom of God, but if you don't have the covering, you don't have the training, you need help to get here and you will die coming up this mountain. If you don't have the proper gear, if you're not acclimated, if you're not in shape, you won't even make it a couple months because it's just too hard. Okay. Well then you're not acclimated. And, and, and that's the thing that, that those are the, for those that are, you know, really listening to the podcast and seeking with all your heart that, all these lessons that we have, it can get to where you can allow it to get overwhelming if you listen to it and you're just like, this is just, it just is so hard. And I just, I don't know if I can do it. These guys just seem like they know everything. And no, we don't know everything. The things that we're speaking right now are spiritually spoken. This is mother in me, through me. And Josh, same for you, that this is the teaching of mother. And, and she's crying out on the street corner all the time to everybody. You may not hear her voice, but she calls loud on the street, street corner to how long will you simple ones love your simple ways? How long are you going to keep doing these foolish things? Repent to God, turn away from it. And you can't get away from that voice. I don't care how you drown it out. You'll be laying in bed at night. You're by yourself in the dark and you hear the crickets chirping and why am I doing all this? Why is everything? It's gotta be something wrong. And Hey, how long are you going to keep walking in, in your, these simple ways? When are you going to turn from the wayward wife and, and all these other things? And so this, we've been on this journey for a while and you can go through the journey quicker. Some people go through it quicker than others because we, the reason we were going through it slower is we had, you know, by y'all to learn the teaching and the understanding of it. But, you know, like Anna Ruth went through it quicker. So it's not that it's a, a race that you just, it's going to take so many years. It may take somebody a very short time. It may take somebody a very long time. And King Agrippa with Paul, well, you know, Paul, you almost convinced me to be a believer. Well, King Agrippa, short time or long, that doesn't, not, that, that doesn't make a difference to me. You just make sure that you find that summit of that mountain and you start now you know, don't delay, like, don't sit there and say, well, I'll just wait, but don't, if it, if you have it in your mind, just start, you know, start the journey because y'all knows you're at the bottom at base camp and that you've said it, that I'm going to go up that mountain and I'm never going to stop. I'll give you what you need to get there um, because I know it's going to take time and you're not going to rush right up there. So as long as I know you, you've set your heart in that, that you have protection, you know, I'm not going to guarantee that you're not, nothing would happen, but you know, make sure that you've set it in your mind that that's what you're going to do. And then you continue in doing it. But yeah, I, am. Um, I had so many of these little statements years ago, like these little anecdotes, just to kind of trigger your mind to, you know, things of the faith journey. But this is, this is not a cakewalk. Uh, this takes time. And that's why mother is laying out all these podcasts that we do that, we could just go through the gospel message and all right, we went through it, but how much foundational truth is there to, with all these lessons with this, so that as you go through the gospel that you can understand, oh, okay, so that's why Messiah was saying, 
if you put your hand to the plow and look back, you're not fit because you've not set your mind that you're just going to keep going and never quit. So get the mindset you're not going to quit, which that will help you. And then when the struggles come, which they will, that no, I'm not going to quit because this is what I want to do. I'm going to achieve this goal. But just realize that if you claim faith in Messiah, that we will judge. And if something needs to be corrected or something needs to be done, you know, we will say what needs to be done to, to correct that behavior. Well, like we talked about, just numerous things coming to mind that even with circumcision of the heart, that's not the end goal. That's the ability to really start the work. Um, I know that I've talked about it with other people in the past. They're, they've said, wow, you know, you've got understanding on this, and I didn't even see it from that point of view. And, well, just because you see it from that point of view when I explain it to you, think about how much stuff I'm seeing within myself from every point of view throughout my life that I'm being shown by mother that this is your training. This is an issue. Your tone, when that took place, you were frustrated. Your tone had frustration behind it. Yep, you're right. All right, so work on that because your tone's not appropriate. That person might have not known it, but I know it. You know it. You're getting frustrated. Why are you getting frustrated? You're absolutely right. I am not going to get frustrated about this. Okay. And you continue to process through that. And that's something that being transparent and faith, we've talked about that before. The struggles come because you're still working out. You just now have the ability with a personal trainer right there with you to put you through a more you know, a better workout program to get better results because you're not trying to do it on your own anymore. You're now being guided daily. Hey, you know what? We're going to do this exercise. And we talked about working out like muscle confusion is all a, a rage. Typically, if you do the same kind of workout for a month or more, your body adapts to it. So you have to completely change the exercise, the motions, the movements, uh, the reps, the weight, all of that stuff to get results again because your body adapts to it. And the same thing for faith. If you've been dealing with frustration at work on a regular basis, you've gotten, I wouldn't say comfortable, but you've, wow, I can see growth in this. Well, now I'm starting to have frustration at home because I'm not looking for it. It didn't come to mind when I left work that, oh, I need to be on guard when I go home. Oh, the car broke down. The grass needs to be mowed. This fell down at the house or this broke. Now I've got to fix that. So being on guard on all sides and that muscle confusion aspect is, an, is a mental muscle confusion for faith. And with mother's help, it's designed to propel you to be better. And that's the desire. Um, you mentioned the sayings that come to mind and... One of the ones that I've actually got on my water bottle that says quitting is not an option. If you start a task and in your mind quitting is an option, you've already failed. Because if it's an option, when it gets too hard, when it gets too tough, you're going to quit. If quitting is not an option, there's nothing to do but succeed. Even if you struggle through it, even if you crawl on all fours to get there, you didn't quit. So you reach the finish line because quitting was never an option. Um, in this society, we really build 
a mindset and a conditional, I would say a conditional atmosphere. Oh, I'm sick. Okay, just just go home. You know, I've had a really rough week. I'm really tired. I'm exhausted. Yeah, you know what? Just take a sick day. Go home. And I'm not saying that you don't ever take a sick day. You don't ever take reprieve. But we've conditioned our minds and our lower conscience that when it gets too hard or what we perceive is too hard, we can take that burden off or pass it on to someone else. And I know I've been guilty of that for a long time, especially as a young kid growing up in school. Well, you know, this is just too hard. I can't figure it out. Oh, okay. Well, we'll sit down with you and we'll go through it all. And are you getting it now? Not quite. Okay. Well, on the test, if you need help, just come to me and I'll help you. And I really wasn't figuring out answers on that test. I was being led to kind of find them slash write them down. That wasn't a benefit to me, but why was I having to do that? Because I didn't want to study. I didn't want to put the work in outside of the classroom to achieve the goal inside the classroom. I was going into the classroom and expecting someone else to carry the weight that I didn't condition myself to carry so I could still achieve the goal and get through that class. And that's a disadvantage to me. It's a disadvantage to anybody that's in that direction or in any that process in life. And I can see from a Christian point of view, from a school point of view, how those things can be detrimental to you because they teach you that it's going to be easy. It's not hard. They don't teach you endurance. They don't teach you perseverance. They don't teach you that no matter what, push through. Has this killed you yet? No. Then you've got more to give. And that's where Yah's mindset is. Have you given your life yet? No. Then you haven't given everything. I require everything. Wow, that's that's a hard teaching. Yes, but it's true. Okay, so that's why it's stated in Scripture, weigh the cost before you make the decision, because quitting is not an option. You either make a decision for faith and see it through to the finish line, or you don't. And if quitting is an option in your mind, well, I'll try this. Nope, don't even worry about it. What? Yeah, if your mindset is you're going to try it or test it out or see how you feel about it, don't worry about it. Why? Because the moment you hear something you don't want to do or you don't like, you're going to turn it off. You're going to be like, ah, that's too hard. I'm not doing that. So those are just thoughts that came to me about that. Well, and we had talked about recently with the spider web, that the spider web, all the intricacies that the spider has, the way that Yaz made the spider that has the web material that, and you had even actually mentioned this when we met over the weekend, that the when the web is put out there, it's detrimental to the one that's not acclimated to the web. Like the insects fly in it or the flies or, you know, the Venus fly traps, wherever that they get in there. But if, you know, if one of us put our finger in a Venus fly trap, I don't, I don't know necessarily if it would close, but it may hurt, but you could pull your finger out and be like, all right, well that I've got something on my fingers or I've got a sting or something, but it's like life and death for them. But if you're the spider, the spider walks around over that web and it's not, oh no, I got my legs stuck. And no, because you're walking, it's like, it's a part of you that you, you walk in it and it doesn't affect you because that, that's your design. And it made me think of, we had, it was a few months ago, we had talked about, you know, quote, the controversial, can you lose your salvation? Well, I was actually thinking about this the other day. It's not that you lose it. Because if you think about it, what Yah does is, 
is that you come to it and you you have you obtain it like you um you have it make sure you don't lose it meaning that you don't forfeit it just like in a game to where you know you're in possession of this unless you just put it down and walk away from it then i'm not going to take it from you and nobody can take it from you but you can surrender it you can put it back down so really it's an aspect of you just decide to quit and walk away from it and that's why it's such a falling away because Yah's made a commitment to you and they're not going to fall away from you and that's why the warning of that and i agree with what you're saying is that in your mind and in your heart it's not an option but it, it is an option but do not go that option and that's why the warning that there wouldn't be a warning for you to say be careful if you fall away because if you do you can't be brought back so it is possible but if you have that steadfast and resolve that i'm never quitting then it, yes the option is there but no i'm not i'm not doing that because if it wasn't then there would be no free will but the mindset is that steadfast for me it is not an option because in interesting about hebrews is because you know yah says but you know if the one shrinks back i won't be pleased with them but we are not of those who shrink back you know to where you're drawn back no i'm not going back to those old things i'm done with that i'm walking away and and that's the thing is that it takes endurance because here's what's interesting about it in order to endure you have to persevere and per meaning around you have to be around severe things like you have to have struggle because if you don't have struggle you can't persevere through anything and if you don't persevere through anything you can't build godly character because if it's easy then there's no godly character to be built godly character produces hope hope is a knowing with absolution what awaits you that that is going to be coming so it's a process that you've got to have struggle to persevere and you have to persevere to endure, to build that strength so that when the struggle comes, not that you won't feel it, but it's just like if you build an endurance to exercise or training, it just gives you the ability to go to the next step because you've built a strength base for the next, because I was thinking about this, that it's not that you're not running a race, you're, you're training, actually for the ultimate race, which is being in Messiah is where you, so you, you go through the race and the training to the point of you can't do anymore. You put yourself to death. Then you're raised with Messiah now. Okay. Son of man, woman, my child, now that you've competed with man on foot and they've worn you out, how now are you going to compete with horses? Now you carry the body of my son now. And how did people come at him? You think that it was hard getting to the point where you're battle against sin, where you crucify yourself with Christ. Now, what are you going to do now when now the real persecution comes that you needed to build an endurance for because you fight against sin to where you decide to put yourself to death, be crucified. Now you walk as he did. Of course, the struggle is going to continue because people are going to come at you. But now you have the perseverance and endurance and the training to say, Abba, Ima, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They were just like I was in the past. They were lost. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Well, it takes, you know, what kind of strength it takes to be able to do that when you're being stoned, you're being kicked and beaten, crucified to say, 
Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And you would think, well, how much strength did that take? It takes more strength to do that than to, yeah, I'm the son of God. Take me down off of this. I don't deserve this. I did nothing. Well, that, that doesn't take self-control. Oh my gosh. They don't realize if they knew that they were actually murdering the son of God, they would stop, but they don't understand. And that's why we're carried. We're called to have mercy because those who do not show mercy will not be shown mercy. So now you can have, you run the race of you persevere and endure to the end, carrying the body of Messiah. And if you finish the race and see, that's the thing. When Messiah was on the cross, when he said these words, he said, it is finished. His work here on earth, what he was sent for was finished because it was to give his life for the sins of the people. And that work, when he died, it is finished that, that I'm not going to die again that I am not going to come back because you think you can keep sinning and die a second time. No, this work that I'm here for was to remove sin forever by the sacrifice of myself. It's finished now. So now, because of this, now everybody else has the opportunity to enter the kingdom of heaven after me doing my work, because now those that are in Abraham's side, well, actually Messiah went into the earth when he died, and separated those that had faith in God to Abraham's side and the other to the other side. So giving circumcision of the heart to those on that side and those he coming to them and okay, now you go to this side, it's done now. So now all those that had faith in God before circumcision of the heart was possible, have it because of Messiah's work, he was done. So now, now your sacrifice, mine, anybody else's that has that crucifies themselves with Messiah, that your sacrifice is looked at with favor because it's covered by the blood of Messiah. And that's why the the blood of Abel speaks because the son of God's blood was shed. So we must have his sacrifice first so that, that the heavenly things can be cleansed. And then now, well done, you're now accepted. Now your sins are forgiven and Messiah and the, the blood of Yeshua cleanses us from all sin so that we don't sin anymore because his work is finished and his work was to destroy the devil's work. Well, the devil's work is to keep people sinning. So why would y'all be okay with you sinning and using the blood of Messiah to cleanse you and sinning? And you, well, you're, you don't realize you're trampling the blood underfoot. So that's why the warnings don't do that. Get away from sin and realize you walk in this newness of light, this renewed covenant, which is an eternal covenant that as long as you continue persevering and enduring to the end, you keep your part of the agreement, Yah keeps theirs, and eternal life is yours when Messiah returns. So it, it's so crucial to let people know that this isn't a linear, you make a decision for God and it's over, and then you just kind of wander around doing good deeds sprinkled in here and there. It's a continual lifestyle. It's a continual learning. It's a continual growing because even with circumcision of the heart, I've had times where you're like, man, it just seems like everything in the world is irritating me. It's like, I just, and not that you can't, but just that I just seem like I can't get away. Oh, wait a minute. I asked for this because I asked y'all to shake my subconscious so I can see. And I asked for this. So it's not y'all, you know, it's not that I'm blaming y'all, but like, I don't wonder, Oh, wait a minute. I asked for this. Well, y'all thank you because now I get to see how much irritation has been buried down there. And, you know, just because you've, you've accomplished something and then now you now carry all that information and 
I didn't see all the things in my lower conscience that I was doing that I wasn't seeing. So I've still got so much work to do with the base of knowledge that I have now. What if I didn't have that information? Then you're just stuck there with just fields and fields and fields of dysfunctional things that you just got to dig and, and figure out. And so, yeah, to those out there, this, it may seem like when we're on the podcast that it seems like, well, seems like those guys don't have any struggles. They don't have any problems because they don't talk about them. Well, we may not talk about them, but I can tell you that there's times where you're sitting at home. I can just speak for me. There's a place in my basement that I'll go to that I'll just sit there in the quiet. And some days it's just like, you're just sitting there and you're just, yeah, I just want to hear you speak. I don't want to say anything. I don't need to say anything. Just help me, guide me what, you know, and then other times you'll have those, um, you know, moments of, um, you know, joy, elation. And then other times you're just like, yeah, I'm just going to keep going. No matter if anybody else accepts it, no matter anybody else changes, I'm just going to keep doing this, even though I'm not necessarily seeing any change, but it doesn't matter. I'm going to focus on myself. So, I mean, this is a, if you think about a marathon, yeah, you could look at it as you're racing other people, but a true marathon, you're racing against yourself. I mean, you're racing against your own programming, like the, um, a song we just listened to one of my favorites, the burning heart by survivor that it's the paradox that drives us on. It's, it's you against you. It's you, you think it's other people and no, if you really, how much you fight yourself and you don't even, you know, recognize it, you don't see it. And, um, you know, I just, just so many times I remember, it's just like, you can point the finger at other people all you want, but it's just a mirror to show you what you're doing or what you have done. So, you know, you're not going to wake up one day and then you have nothing to work on. Now you may have some days where you have a reprieve, but if you really look for it and you're thinking about it, you know, you've got, there's so much to work on, even if you're not even in faith in God that you don't even see. So, um, there's just so many, uh, I just, I'm grateful to Yah that we have so many of these examples to be able to understand from the creation, how faith works, that it is really so true that no man or woman is going to have an excuse before God, because they'll say, well, God, it wasn't clear. I didn't understand. And then they'll, do you remember when you ran races and you were a runner and you were a marathon? Oh my gosh, I didn't realize. So that whole time I was running a, a frivolous race when I should have been in the race of faith and I was doing it for selfishness. I didn't see that. Yes, you are fair and just, or aren't you a doctor? You know, so didn't you have to study and didn't you have to push through and learn the anatomy? And isn't that the same as the word of God. Yes, I didn't do it. Yes, you're right. Cause that's the thing that you, um, you cannot mock y'all because I mean, you can attempt anything. I mean, you're going to be wrong, but it's just like, you know, you demand an answer and it's like, I don't even realize what I'm asking. It, it was like the, um, we had had this movie. Um, I don't know if you've seen, have you seen a few good men with, um, Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson? I just, I was looking at a clip the other night and just listen to that again, that, you know, he's getting all upset and he says, I would rather you just say, thank you. than you don't have the privilege of knowing what I know. I'd rather you just say, thank you and go on your way than to have me to justify an answer to you. You know, I don't, I'm not going to give you an answer. You know, I don't need to justify what I'm doing to you just because you want an answer. I'd rather you just say, yeah, you're God. And, and I repent that that's what I'm looking for because until you've sat in the perfect seat. Don't give me that you understand 
that I'm wrong or, or I'm not fair and just until, and then, yeah, if I was God and it's like, you don't even understand what that even means for you to say that you're God to where what they know and the things that you don't know that your mouth would just be shut. And it would just be like, I just, you would go as low to the ground and just say, Lord, forgive me. I have no idea. Thank you for who you are and that of who I am. And, you know, we move on from there. So. Well, you were talking about the race aspect and I just had a, a thought hit me that uh, the scripture you quoted that um, all run aimlessly like ones who run in a race to receive a prize, but don't run like them run as though you're competing with yourself, not with others. And I had that thought hit me that we call it the rat race of the world. You know, just the nine to five job, the getting the house, the family, the cars, all of what you need to do because the world tells you you need to do that. That's the race that the world runs that keeps you occupied and distracted so you don't focus on what's really important. And from that mindset, I ran my own race for years. For what reason? So I would get glory. I would get credit. I would, wow, look at Josh. He just came in first. Oh man, Josh got third place. Because no one remembers anybody that comes in fifth, eighth, tenth. So running a race in faith is, this was given to me, the aspect of Olympics. So you're going from an Olympic aspect. With that mindset, you're now a nation. When the United States competes in the Olympics, and again, I don't know all the ins and outs of the Olympics, but from an analogy, if you run a race and you're an Olympic athlete for America and you have three Americans, depending on what rank they come in, they get points. Well, the next event would be, I don't know, javelin throwing or the discus. Well, again, they're getting points that add up to a total. And as that goes on through the Olympics, yes, each one of those events gets a medal, but as a nation winning as a nation as a country. That's the goal. It's not about this American coming in first because if they come in first, they get the most points. But if you have six Americans that place one through sixth or even three through six, they're going to get more points than the one or two countries that came in first and second. And as a nation of God, godly children, that's the goal to have as many in the kingdom as we can to have as many family members as we possibly can in the kingdom. So everybody running a race, it's not about gaining glory for ourselves. It's about running a race to gain glory for Yah. So others see that, wow, that nation of Yah is amazing. And I want to be a part of that. So that you don't lose your identity, but you lose self in that to become part of a whole. And that's a real mindset that you can apply to a racing aspect for individual race and life when you're in selfishness, doing it for yourself to gain glory and then transferring that to, no, I'm doing this for Yah. And that is fulfilling because selfless aspect for Yah, way more rewarding than trying to do it for your own self glory that'll fade. Well, and I'd mentioned this earlier about the NASCAR and um, I don't even know if you, you may not know this track, but those that 
who watch it would know this, that two of the bigger tracks, one is called Talladega. It's in Talladega, Alabama. And the other one is Daytona International Speedway in Daytona Beach. And both of them, the Daytona track is two and a half miles. And the one in Alabama is 2.66 miles for a lap. And it was built on, I think it was built on an old airport, the one in Talladega. But the the key in that, and which is coming to mind with finishing the race, is they have what's called a restrictor plate that is actually put on the carburetor. It's called a carburetor restrictor plate. And what happens is that limits the amount of air into the engine. So it creates less horsepower. So for example, let's just say that like a normal car would be maybe 750 horsepower. Like this will maybe take it down. I can't remember. It's like, and this is clearly a guess. I don't know for sure. Like four to 500, let's say where you can have the, the gas all the way to the floor, like wide open. And it just will not go faster because the air there's not, it's like a, um, it's like a little, the restrictor plate looks like a square with four holes in it and it just cuts off enough air that it just doesn't create horsepower. And what it does is it keeps everybody in a pack. Like before that, like people would get way out and drive off and there would be big gaps. But mother, I brought this out that we were talking a while back and Yeshua is the one that's at the front of the, the drafting line. So he's there, he's getting the brunt of the air. Like he's the first. So, and it's just like, I agree hundred percent with what you said that it's just like a football team or a, or a race team and whoever wins that race is the crew sitting over there. Like, man, I'm a loser. And no, the crew's jumping up high five. And cause we won that it's the team. It's their team that won. And yeah, he's the driver, but we win because we're on that team. And what we do is we draft. What we're called to do is draft with Yeshua that he's at the front. Don't, if you pull out, then you're going to get the brunt. No, get back in line that you stay there and you draft because it's actually, you go faster when you fall in line and draft because it's blocking the air. So you get to suck the car up and you stay right on that bumper and you can even push the driver where they can get wiggly and may lose control. But the point is, is that stay together. And that's the unity of God is stay in that draft and you'll just keep. And what's interesting is you can stay, they'll have like one pack of cars that'll be nose to tail all the way around. And there'll be others that'll break away and drive side by side and they'll see them and they'll get closer and closer and they'll drive right by and just keep getting faster. But they get, and they'll say, don't get out of line. Like one car will go out and they're like, no, get back in. Cause you'll start drag will hit it and it'll slow the car down. And it's the same thing with faith that stay in line so that you Messiah is first. And the thing is at the end, at the final judgment, it's just like that train of cars goes right in together and it's fair with y'all because, you know, Abraham didn't go in first and he's waiting. Noah didn't go in that it's fair that Messiah has entered first and those in him. Uh, I could just see this. Have you ever seen that movie close encounters of the third kind? I don't know if you've heard of that. Heard of it, never seen it. The scene is it, it's where this alien ship comes. It's a Steven Spielberg movie from the seventies. Well, they opened up the ship like as they were looking for this alien, it was actually interesting where Jacob was staying. It was in, uh, it's called devil's something. It's in Wyoming. It kind of looks like a, a mold, like a clay mountain. Well, the ship was there and the ship would open up and all the people that were taken, you see everybody just come in at the same time. And it made me think of you stand there and the kingdom is open and everybody just walks straight in together. It's not, you know, one after another, you just come on in like you walking onto a property and you're like, wow, wow, this was worth it. This is the land built by God. So now we get to live here forever. And 
wow, it was worth the struggle. It was worth the pain and the sorrow to be able to see this. And, and that's, what's unfortunate is like people, because of the false teaching that's out there, that people are told that, well, my, my, my grandmother, my step, they're just in heaven looking down. And it's like, no, the only one that's in heaven other than Abba and Ema is Yeshua. Yeshua is in the kingdom of heaven. There's not, Moses is not in the kingdom of heaven. Um, Abraham is not there. Those that have died are not there. They're in either paradise or they're in the place of torment. That That's the thing, the final judgment then, because everybody enters in together, because it even mentions in Hebrews that Yah had a better way that we all enter in together, because that's what's fair and just. Yah isn't showing favoritism to say, well, because what Moses did, he deserves to be there, or no, it's everybody goes in together, and people will, we don't have the authority to put somebody to say they're in heaven, they're in hell. No, that judgment, that lies in the hands of Yah. But we can tell people boldly, look, if you don't stop this wicked behavior, if you don't repent of this to God, ultimately when you die, if you don't find the fullness of faith, you will end up in the abyss. Well, that's not telling somebody, that's not making a judgment, saying you're going there, but ultimately you're already condemned already if you don't find the fullness of faith. And and that's the thing is that People aren't being taught this, but the thing is, it's not, you can't blame somebody not teaching you or anything like that because those people make their own choices. And that's with those listening into us that the things that we're saying are spiritually spoken and don't believe this just because we're saying it. I mean, we know it because we have heart knowledge of it, but look in the Bible, look and dig into the word and you'll see that the things that we're saying are true and that this this faith, I mean, look at the Israelites, they were in the desert 40 years. You know, where is this anything about making a decision for God and then you just come right out of it and they had a reason to be out there 40 years and then even then, I mean, even look at Messiah, he's been, you know, even from the, the years here, 2,023 years that he's been in the kingdom at least and, you know, what's that like waiting for the bride and all those things. I mean, the patience of God. So, I mean, it's just, there's just so much more to this than just making a quick decision. It's like you said, you count the cost and it's going to take training. It's going to take work. It's going to take grit. It's going to take being on the heap on, on the ground, lying in a heap and, you know, having a difficulty getting yourself up, people having to pick you back up and you got to push through. And this is not an easy thing. And even Messiah himself, look at the life he lived, look at the death he died. If you want to see anything that looks easy in that, then you tell me where it says there's an easy button in it. Now, where he is now, yes, there's ease because he's perfected now. You have a completely perfected holy body with no sin, no corruption. Yes, he's in a place where he's not feeling pain, but in order for you and me to get to that place, you must walk as he did. And why would Messiah in his own words say this calls for perseverance of the saints? Why would you need perseverance if you're going to be taken out of here raptured and you have nothing to go through? There's no reason. If you think about it, what's the reason for any kind of tribulation, it's to prove who, who out there still is going to have the opportunity for faith because it has to get as hard as it could be because how bad do you want this? If it's just easy, then no, that that's uh, to really, you know, because the saints that you, 
why would it call for it doesn't say that well you have perseverance and you don't need any more perseverance no it just it calls for continual perseverance i mean look at hebrews people were sawed in two that wouldn't be an easy thing to go through people were sawed in two they were destitute under the ground in caves you know tortured and refused to be released why because they were looking for a better they were looking to the reward well they knew that they no i'm not going to quit this because if i quit and renounce faith then i have nothing just like all my righteous deeds are not going to be remembered anymore if i renounce this faith and you would think well how can anybody endure being sought in two well have you not been sought in two by how people your own family speak to you or reject you i mean it could feel like being sought in two you may not physically be sought into but that was just brought out as an aspect of you just think it's so simple to well i'm I'm not going to say that not that i'm that you think it's so simple but from your programming you know you are thinking that god is love and god is love and god is does have a soft side but the soft side doesn't come until the terror side comes first because it's not going to benefit you any for y'all to be soft to you and they will not be until you know, you have to see them as a terror because they have to know that you have a respect for them before they'll let their guard down and, you know, allow you to, you know, get closer to them. So, well, you, you said a word that just really stuck out to me, the, the word believe. And I was sitting there thinking about it from the worldly aspect. If your mindset is, oh yeah, I believe that, then no, that's not what the truth is for. I don't want you to believe the truth from the worldly aspect. But if you believe the truth from Yah's point of view, the way the word should be used, why well, believe this? If you believe it, then you're going to make a move on that. You're going to have an action behind that. And ultimately, that's a place to start. Belief in Yah is a place to start as you continue to seek for them and you move through the gospel. And once you've gone through that to a point, belief it's not what is desired. It's faith. I am sure of what is hoped for and certain of what is not seen. You cannot convince me. I don't believe it anymore. I know it with the core being of who I am. Nothing on this earth will ever convince me of anything that I don't know from Yah. Is that from Yah? Yeah, I know that's from Yah. You sure? No doubt. Die on that? I would die on that. Wow. That's pretty bold. No, that's not bold. That's confidence because bold is with pride. And I am grateful that I have this knowledge. It's a gift. It really is. Did I go through stuff to work for it and obtain it? Absolutely. But who runs a race and trains for a race and gets that prize and is like, ah, oh, yeah, that's that's something I got one time. Yeah, that goes, that just gets tossed in a closet somewhere. No, display it, be proud of it. I went through that battle. I conquered that. I'm continuing to conquer that. So just seeing it from that point of view, that belief from a worldly aspect, because we we've talked about this before, using a word with the wrong mindset tied to it isn't really doing that word justice because there's things in scripture that Yah says and with the enemy and with lack of understanding, those words have been twisted 
by a worldly understanding and they've lost meaning to what the true understanding of what that word means. You know, the, um, with belief, it's interesting about this is that you have to go through belief and what belief is, is belief is being convinced in your mind that you accept that what the person is saying is true, but you still, you're not convinced yet because you don't have the proof. So it's meaning that, but you have to start there to say, yeah, I don't understand this, but I know you're God and, and I believe that you can do this. Because I remember there's one scripture that said, you know, that Yeshua said to somebody, what do you want me to do for you? And they're like, Lord, if you can, if you could do this. And he says, if I can, you know, to where do you believe, but you don't, because I remember, I can't remember the exact, what the scenario is, but I think it may have been the either a soldier or centurion or something that says he was in charge of some people. And he says, Lord, I believe like I'm, I know that you're, I've seen, I know that you're God. I'm convinced that you are, but I just, I'm struggling with, you know, how do I really know that he's going to be healed? I just need the proof. And, you know, he says like that you're, he's going to be healed. I can't remember the exact story, but, or part of it, but, and he says, Lord, I believe, help me with my unbelief. Well, how do you help with unbelief is I'm going to make it clear to you that it's real. And then, oh my gosh, he was healed at the very moment. I'm convinced it is true. Okay. Well now you see the proof of it. So it's, it's a transference from, you know, I, I'm convinced, but how do I really know? And you have to have the heart knowledge of it. So believing in the son is you believe it to the point of you, I'm going to do this. So you put it into practice because it says that those who believe in him shall not perish. Meaning that those who listen to these words of mine and do not put them into practice, you just believe that I'm the son then you're like building your house on the sand. But if you put into practice what I'm saying, then you truly are my disciples. And with Messiah that my sheep hear my voice. Well, how can you know somebody if you don't know their voice? If I've never spoken to you, Josh, how can I know you? Now I can, all right, you exist. Josh, I believe you exist that you're, you're Josh. Okay. Well, what is that? That doesn't change anything. Well, but, and that's the thing is that the, like you said, the twisting of this and just the enemy being so crafty and being good at what he's doing is I'm not going to put this to where I'm going to just bring it all out and know, let you see what I'm doing. I'm going to make you think that you're right. And I'm just going to twist this to where I'll just get you stuck in a lie and in a circle Cause I'm not going to come out and just say, well, that's wrong. And no, I'm just going to, I'm going to make you think you're doing what is right. And I'll just put a little bit of doubt in there. Did God really say, yes, he did. And that, that's, that's how you combat the enemy. Did God really say, well, I'm thinking that huh, I got you right there instead of, cause the way to combat the enemy is the word of God. Did God really say God really did say, Oh, okay. Well, did God really say, yes, God did say this. And this was what God says. Cause that's how you, you, cause we had this question the other night that how do you know the, the distinguish between the voice of the enemy and the voice of God? Well, the voice of the enemy is going to be come at you in a way of, are you really sure? You know, do you, should you do this? Should you do that? You know, it's an, it's an accusatory manner. 
because he's mentioned as the accuser. Yah is the straightforward matter of fact. And why do they, why do we think that Messiah was looked at as one that had authority? Because he wasn't, well, I think it could be. No. In this reading today, the scripture is fulfilled. So you're saying that you're the one that this is talking about? In this reading of the scripture, this is fulfilled. Yes. How dare you? Well, didn't you know I would be doing my father's work? I mean, it's just, it's that, and among amongst many things, but that it's not going to contradict what God does. They're not going to say something and do something completely different. They come to you with an answer. You ask them a question, you know, and I even found this with me today that that yes, yes, and no, no scenario. That's also with us that if somebody asks you a question, you just give them an answer. And if you keep adding to it, oh, well, wait a minute, there's something dysfunctional here. Why am I adding to it? Is that from programming? Why do I need to justify myself? What? No, you don't need to just say, why did you do this? That's the decision I made. Well, why? I don't need to explain why. No, I want you to go into more detail. Okay. But other than that, but people are programmed that you owe me a decision. No, you, uh, this is the decision or, or whatever it is, but <clears throat> yeah, all this, um, there's just so much detail in all this. And that's the thing is the, we could have podcasts like this for, I mean, we could have podcasts every day and it's just, there's so much information. There's so much to give out that uh, I would just encourage people that are listening is that really listen carefully to the podcast and don't attempt to just get everything and because you're going to get overwhelmed. If something just sticks out in your mind, you know, mother will bring that on your mind, really evaluate that and think about it because it is, it can be, you can get yourself in a situation where you can make yourself get overwhelmed because you're attempting to figure it all out. You're not going to be able to figure it all out. Uh, this is just information that we're putting out food on the table. Those that are listening, if you want to take it and eat it, then you've got to eat it and acquire a taste for it, you know, to where if you really want to know the truth, then what you must do is just like we did. You've got to seek it with all your heart. You've got to seek the Bible and look into it, figure out who God is. Um, and even at that point, you know, you'll be able to hear the voices of God and yeah, will reveal themselves to you. And, and <clears throat> the thing is, is that faith will continue, even though, like you said, you know, things like it goes from faith to knowing, but we still have faith because there's so much we don't know. So faith is always a part of it. But that's the thing that what's pleasing to God is, is that Yah doesn't want to just, they're not going to give you the proof without the faith first, because it shows that you're not diligently seeking them. Because the word, like you had mentioned, Hebrews 11, <clears throat> being sure, faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. And it says, this is what the ancients were commended for because of faith that why did Rahab go out with the, and do what the, the people told her to do and, and, <clears throat> and stuff like that? Or why did this person do this? And why did they do that? Do you see by faith that Moses kept the Passover and by faith that Abraham left his country and by faith, Noah built the ark, a preacher of righteousness. You know, what was he a preacher of righteousness? Because he was living the faith of God to, it's not that he was just on a street corner preaching. It was, he was preaching righteousness by I'm building this art because yeah, asked me to do it. And I don't care what you say to me, you know, it took a hundred years to build it. And you think about the perseverance and endurance a hundred years. No, there hadn't been rain here. We don't, we haven't seen rain and you're building an ark for rain. Are you crazy? 
doing what y'all wants me to do. And after year 10, year 20, year 30, and it's just, man, come on, it's never going to happen. Just stop. No, it's going to rain. God said, and that just proves his faith because faith without works is dead that Noah would show no faith in God. Well, well, God get, show me the rain and then I'll build the ark. No, Noah, that's not how it works. Do you, do you believe I'm going to do what I've said I'm going to do? Yes. Okay. Well, you don't know how long it's going to be. You just, you don't ever know when your reprieve is coming, when, when Yah is going to do what they do. So <clears throat> how many times in your life have you done something or doing something and you don't see the end result yet, but are you going to quit? Well, maybe it's just that I'm just going to see, or, or what are you going to do when things don't seem to be changing? Or are you going to stick with it? Or you're just going to, you know, so with these things is that, <clears throat> Faith is not a sprint. It is definitely a race. It's a journey. It's a triathlon. It's it's going to take your very life. It's going to make people in your life that you thought were your family are going to turn their back on you. That you're going to have people that are going to be in your life that you wouldn't think would be family. That are going to be your true family. So the it, it definitely is you know, we're not, this isn't a drim and drab. You don't get into faith because it's going to be just, you know, hard every day, but you have to be willing to sacrifice. And that ultimately that really is what love for God is a sacrifice and love for others is sacrificing yourself. You know, there's a scripture that um, Messiah spoken and it's, it's a prophetic scripture. And he says, no greater love is this than one who lays down their life for their friends. And yes, he is talking about himself, that he was laying his life down for his friends. But ultimately what it's talking about is when you crucify yourself with Christ, that you're laying down your life for Abba and Ima, you're laying down your life for your friends, which God becomes your friend. And even Abraham was referred to as a friend of God. So why was he a friend? Because he walked as a friend to Yah, he feared Yah, he had reverence for Yah, he did what Yah asked him to do. And Yah became a friend to him to where when Sarah was going to be touched by the, this person, he says, don't put a finger on her, you know, don't lay a finger on her <clears throat> because um, I can't remember the exact wording, but don't lay a finger on her because um, she's the um, belongs to a prophet. Well, Lord, I didn't intentionally do that. I know you didn't intend to, but don't lay a hand on her, you know, to bring fear. And then <clears throat> because Yah protected her and her being submissive to Abraham, excuse me, but, um, yeah. And, and we, we can speak of this is that, um, this isn't walking around with your head down and everything's so hard. And now there are times when your head will go down, but we're encouraged to keep your head high. Just keep on, you know, strengthen the, the head that's down and the feeble knees so that you, you won't have limbs that are dislocated, but you'll be healed. So this is just an encouragement that, that this is a journey and it is a challenge. But with God, all things are possible. You can persevere and endure. You can find the fullness of this faith, just like we did. And Josh, like you said, the teamwork aspect and just thinking about football, like the Super Bowl, everybody working together, you know, everybody working as a team. The quarterback isn't any greater than the offensive lineman. Without the offensive lineman, the quarterback couldn't do anything. Without the receivers, the quarterback's got nobody to throw to. Without the punter, you can't kick it to the other team without the coaches. I mean, it's just, it's on and on and they all get the Super Bowl ring. 
even the backup quarterback, you may not have played a snap, but you're a part of the team. And that's the thing. Be a part of the team of Yah in Messiah. In Messiah, Yeshua is the winning team. Jesus is not the winning team. That's going to leave you in the loser's locker room, and you're going to have your head down thinking that you won something, and you're going to find out you lost everything. So just encourage everybody out there just to be diligent and really look into these things because this journey is is it's your very life and it's not just a quick decision and you're done it's a making a a good decision to continue in faith but then continuing you know persevering to the end well and just coming back to belief um the aspect of tying that to a real life scenario nod to phil phil constantly talks about rock climbing that's something he used to do at one point and the aspect of belief if i believed someone that they oh yeah i rock climb i rock climb well how do you do it and they told me how to do it and i did it and it killed me well i believed you that you told me you knew what you were doing i tied the knot just like you told me to and i did this just like you told me to but i never read a book on it or i never studied on how to actually do it if I died, that's my fault. I didn't check on what was being taught to me. I just took it for face value and, uh, and applied it, and it killed me. So with what we talk about and what we discuss, don't listen to what we're saying and say, oh, yeah, I believe that. Go read Scripture on it and tie everything that's being spoken back to Scripture. And one of the things we were told early on in our journey about Christianity Put away everything that you've been taught from Christianity and start clean in your mind. Read scripture word for word and search it out. Have time with Yah. And that took a, a long time for me to do at one point because of the programming. But once I started to do that, that journey through the faith, like true faith, was much faster. Putting away the preconceived notion of well, yeah, this is just really hard. Help, help. No answer. Well, what does Scripture say about this? And again, circling back to endurance, one of the things that really helped me was, how bad do you want this? More than anything, prove it. What? Prove it. Oh, okay, how? No response. So I started going through Scripture and just reading. Okay, well, when other people in Scripture, other prophets, other people that found Yah, how did they prove it to Yah? What was their desire? What did they go through to prove to Yah that this is how bad I want you? This is how bad I need it. Abraham. How long was Abraham going out of the city and having quiet time with Yah before Yah spoke to him? And then when Yah spoke, okay, that's what we're doing. Everything gone. House, family, we're leaving now. What? Yeah, we're leaving. Why? Yah told me to. We're gone. Okay. I want you to lay on your side for 40 days. What? Yeah, I want you to lay on your side facing the city for 40 days. Okay, that's what I'm doing. I asked myself, have I ever done anything for 40 days straight, never missing a day? And the answer was no. Nothing that I could think of that I've done consistently for 40 days. That's where I started. All right, I'm going to have quiet time for 40 days. And if I don't hear you at the end of 40 days, I'm going to make it another 40. And I'm going to do this until I hear you and until we have a relationship, period. 
and nothing's going to stop me. And that was my mindset. But that came from scripture. And then that applied to a real life aspect. And that allowed me to learn endurance. That allowed me to learn perseverance. That allowed me to learn you're never quitting. This is not a decision for you to reach a goal and then you attain the goal and you're good. This is a continual process for eternity. Do you recognize that's what you're starting? And a lot of people aren't taught that. We, I definitely was not taught that in Christianity. I was taught, you say this thing, you go up front in front of everybody, you get dunked in water, and then you're good. doesn't really matter how many mistakes you make in your life or how many times you mess up, you're covered now. And that's not true. So with, again, tying back to the aspect of rock climbing, you have to study all that. There's certain knots, there's certain things. So learning that from that aspect and then starting to climb the rock is also a challenge. And the first time you ever do it, it's pretty scary. You're climbing, you're moving up, you can tell you're getting higher up. Is this rope going to catch me? Is this harness going to work? Is this, am I going to get hurt? And you fall for the first time. At some point you're going to fall. It's what happens. While you're falling, are you sitting there thinking, man, I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have done this. Or are you thinking, I know the rope's going to hold me, or I believe, I believe the rope is going to hold me. I believe the knot's tied right, and I believe I'm going to be okay. And then when the rope catches you, and you're not hurt, and you realize, wow, it's, it's okay. It's okay. That gives you confidence to climb better. Now you're not focused on falling, you're focused on climbing. Because you've put in the work and the effort, and it's been tested, and you've believed that, and that belief has been proven so that now you can continue to climb that much better because now you're not worried about falling, you're worried about reaching the top. doesn't matter how many times you fall on the way up, you know the rope's going to hold you. And that's definitely where I was. The first part of that journey is that you're, you're moving and you're just going and you're going and you're going, and what if I make this mistake or what if I make that mistake? I'm not really hearing anything, but I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop. And then finally it clicks and I'm like, whoa, this is what it is. So now that belief got fulfillment. Well, now I'm just going to go that much harder. And that's, that's truly the goal for faith is that it propels you and drives you. We talked about the concept of chain reaction on our walk Thursday that you have atoms that come together for fission and when that happens, it causes another reaction, which breaks atoms apart. And that continual process goes throughout the entire surface of these suns, what we talked about with how the sun works. It's fission and fusion throughout the entire planet. And because it's balanced in reaction, each reaction drives another reaction, which continues a process that moves the entire planet and gives Earth what it needs. And faith is meant to be the same thing. But the opposite of faith is the same thing. Each non-reaction stops another reaction, which then continually decreases reaction till you're doing nothing. So. It's very important that with, <clears throat> in order for you to gain understanding of something, Yah has got... Yah's got to open your eyes to see it. And we we were talking about this recently about that mothers, well, mother does a lot of things, but 
her one of her main things she does is conviction. That, and Josh, just going off of what you said, you have to seek it with all your heart. And then when you dig into it, the one that gives the ability to your eyes to be open to it is there. And she says, do you see? Oh, now, because, and what I found that what I've done in the past, I know we've done as a gathering is you so much want somebody to understand the truth that you, it's like you press and you just keep, well, if I just give a little more, if I explain it this way, well, explain what you mean by this. And, you know, why do you think this? And it's like, if the person wants it, they'll seek it with all their heart. And as they seek it, Yah will be the one to make it evident because in the word it says that one waters, one plants, Yah gives the increase, meaning that Yah makes it grow. Yah has the ability to make the plant grow. Like we can't make somebody grow. We can put the plant food on it. We can put it there, right? Well, you've got to pick up the plant food and put the dust on your leaves, or you've got to get the water jug and dump it on there. But Yah brings the increase. And and the reason is, is because it doesn't matter if you bang your head against the wall, if you, you know, you're in a sackcloth or, or you're going up on the mountain and talking to God. And until you make the decision that you're going to figure this out and you want it, then it doesn't matter what you tell somebody. And like, even with this, we can tell, and people say, yeah, yeah, it, it's a race and yeah, you've got to finish it. And yeah, that makes sense. But then you go right back to the cognitive dissonance kicks in and says, well, well you're saved. I mean, you're, you finished it because, you know, Jesus did it all and you finished the race. So you're saved. No, wait a minute. We just talked. I just listened to the podcast. They said the brainwashing, that's, wait a minute, that's cognitive. No, I'm not listening to that. And see, that's the point of these lessons. It's not that, all right, I've got cognitive dissonance. I understand it. All right, I've got, you can lose your salvation. All right, got it. It's, wow, so that's why. Why am I hearing that voice? Well, is that how God really talks? Is that, and that's the point of this. It's to get you to discover the truth because on the end jingle that we have is that the greatest thing that you can find is discovery. And the discovery is, and I'll just, me and my wife were cracking up about this. She's like, you know, you know, I'm going to set out to humpback rocks. I'm going to scale humpback rock and it's, it's only 0.8 miles, but that's, that's what I'm going to do. And it's like, you could look at it and, you know, we were chuckling about it, but to some people who've never been up a mountain, I mean, you can, man, this is hard. I didn't realize how high this is. And people would be like, eight tenths of a mile. Give me a break. That's nothing. Yeah. But remember running the race, you haven't built an endurance to that yet. So to that person, it's a huge mountain. Now to the one that, you know, does free climbing or whatever, they just whoop, right up the top in 10 minutes, no problem or whatever. To them, what's well, easy? Well, because you've acclimated yourself, you've discovered that, and that to you, you've built a strength to that to where that's not, that's beginner. I'm, I'm going to go to, you know, the Rocky Mountains, or I'm going to go to, you know, California, Yosemite, or whatever. I'm going to go to the, or the Swiss Alps, or whatever, because I want a challenge. But, you know, to each person, and this is even in our own gathering, that it's like you can, what Yah is really desiring is that the things that we say that we're going to do instead of saying it, just like you're hearing me out of my mouth, like I'm going to do this. What y'all wants to see is 
you saying I'm going to do this is you doing it. And that tells me, meaning like the actions speak louder than words. And it's not that you don't say you're going to do things because you set your mind that you're going to do it. But really, it's the carrying it out. Because if you say, you know, I'm going to be consistent in something. And you're doing it and you're like, you know, I missed a day and I'm just not consistent. Well, no, wait a minute. Cause you only missed a day out of two years. No, you're being consistent. You're just, you're not perfect. So don't mistake being perfected or being perfect with consistent, you know, to where we will get, sometimes we'll beat ourselves up. Well, I'm just, I missed this day or I'm not, you know, and, but you're, you're, you're still human that you're, you're gonna not necessarily make mistakes, but you're going to have moments where you, you know, just let me fix this. Let me aim back where I was aiming, you know, to where, and that's the thing is that, so it's not that you're not going to do things that aren't, you know, you're going to do things that aren't perfect because you're not perfected yet. But this whole journey is, I mean, the things that you're speaking of, the believing. Yeah. I mean, you, you have to be willing. You, it's like, you have to have faith to have faith. Like you have to be willing to have faith you have to have faith to seek with all your heart. Cause you don't know, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't, how am I going to find God? You know what, but I'm going to, all right. Well, you have to, have, and Yah has to see, we know that you don't have the evidence yet, but are you going to go for it? No matter like Christopher Columbus, did he have evidence of a new world? No, I'm just convinced that it's there. And he goes after it. And what happens? Wow. There is a new world. And then at that point to him, it's not faith anymore. It's knowing. And that's the thing without coming to Yah, without knowing first, you can't be pleasing to them because no, I'm not, I'm not going to, if I just showed you who I am, then that's the worst thing because you have no chance for salvation because you have to come to it by faith that if I just showed you who I am now, yeah, then I'll believe. No, they know that if they did that, then you can't have faith and you, you're going to be separated from them. So it's better for you to have the proof of their existence with the parables, which is the creation for you to see that they exist without seeing them so that, Oh, wow. Now I can see Yah in this. And then Yah says, do you see me now? Oh, I never did. I did, but now I can see Wow, you do exist. And then that's, you know, where it carries from there. And it's just unfortunate that in the world that there's just so much, of twisting of the word of God and that people are just convinced that, you know, everything's just supposed to be simple. Everything's supposed to be easy. And you just, you know, God will just give you whatever you want. And there's, and, and all this other stuff we're talking about, well, that's just, that's just the extreme side. Well, isn't it better to be on the extreme side and be safe than to be stuck out no man's land where you don't know if it's right or not, or you're not sure. And you're just, wow, it'll be okay. You know, no, no, it'll be okay. And well, how do you know that? You know, and people don't like to be asked, you know, questions they don't know the answer to. And it's just, well, that's why we're called to give a good answer is that if we don't give a good answer, then there's an issue that if you know something, why can't you answer? Well, that's just, you're just trying to trick me. How am I trying to trick you? Just answer the question. If you don't know the answer, just say you don't know it. And that's the program. You don't want to be wrong. Instead of if you know something, then you'll talk with authority. You know, it'd be like you, Josh. Well, Josh, what is sheets all about? I don't know. Have no idea. What? 
or, you know, Sean, what's insurance all about? I don't know anything about insurance. I don't know how it works. I don't, I don't know everything, but well, how does collision coverage work? I don't know. So how can you help me with the coverage? I don't know. Just figure it out. Well, I'm not going to you. I'm going to go to somebody that's going to explain it in detail. And so I can know and see that that's the problem is that people want to know. And when you get into trouble is when you, you tell somebody that, you know, and, and you don't, and then that's where you're looked at as you have the discredit. And, and that's the thing is that the enemy will attempt to discredit those in faith, because if I can get you and be, get you to be a hypocrite, then I've got you to where you say that, yeah, go ahead go ahead and tell the people how good you are and, and it'll be exposed instead of be above reproach to where anybody here convict me of sin. I don't sin. So what are you going to bring? What accusation is going to stick? What do I have to fear? I'm doing what's right. So what does it matter if you kill me, beat me? It doesn't matter because you stand on what's right. But the thing is, is that if you're not standing on what's right, then, then you can be blamed. And that's the thing is like, why would an overseer be told to be above reproach? Well, how can you oversee a gathering if you're at a place where you're being a hypocrite and you're telling people to do things and you're doing the opposite. You know, I remember um, Anna Ruth was on um, a while back and she said that her dad told her that, you know, don't do, do as I say, not as I do. It's like, no, 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 no. If we're, and that's the thing, this is for people claiming faith in God. Do not tell people, do as I say, not as I do. If you're telling anything, follow my example as I follow the example of Messiah. So he's the example. I'm following him. If you want to follow me, you follow me as I'm, so meaning follow Messiah and don't just look at me. But if you are looking at me, make sure that, you know, that you are, if you're doing what I'm doing, make sure it lines up and it's what Yeshua was doing. You know, just don't look at it as just me alone because that's, that's what gets people to turn away from and become atheists. Cause um, and this is just my own thoughts on it. This isn't a just absolute truth, but I'm convinced that anybody that claims to be atheist, there's something going on in their life, something in religion, some kind of religious background where they were promised something that God would do and they, it didn't get fulfilled and something happened that they were promised or told God would do or wouldn't do. And they start resenting God. And then they just say, well, God doesn't exist because I don't want to deal with a God that does that. So I'll just, God doesn't exist. Like there's not just, I don't see people. Now, again, this is not saying every person, but I'm just not saying that somebody just wakes up one day and just says, no, God doesn't exist. Like there's, because there's always something there. What is the beef with God? There's something that they don't like that. Then they just turn it to where you blame God and it's God's fault instead of what's going on in your life or in your past that somebody else has done to you where it's not God's fault, but you're blaming God. And then therefore, well, God doesn't exist. Well, we know (laughs) this is my favorite, Josh. Well, how do you talk about something that doesn't? I even saw a news clip um, a few days ago with Morgan Freeman. They had a guy interviewing him, Morgan Freeman being the, uh, the famous actor that's been on like Shawshank Redemption and different movies. And, He's like, well, how do we deal with racism? Stop talking about it. And obviously it's not that you don't have discussions, but he's just saying that you really want to stop, stop looking at me as this certain race and I'll stop calling you, you know, this 
you stop calling me black man, I'll stop calling you a white man. You're just a man. You know, why is it, you know, we keep fueling these uh, fires and things instead of just, just look at it for who it is. Quit bringing it up. Quit talking about it. And a lot of the issues would take care of themselves. But if you keep bringing it up over and over again, and that's the thing that it's like, it's not a, a fact that God doesn't exist. It's just that, what are you suppressing? You're, you're suppressing the truth. You know that punishment is waiting you. You don't want to deal with punishment because would really people have a problem with uh, God existing if there was no punishment that you everybody went to heaven? Well, yeah, I'll believe in a God like that because that's, but there's something going on that you just, you don't think Yah is fair and just, and you just, no, I'm just, I don't want to believe in something like that, so I'll be safe. And just because you choose to say that something doesn't exist like Yah, that you're going to be in for a wake-up call if you don't find that, you know, place of repentance. Well, and just the, something that hit me when you talk about insurance, the room for expansion, you talk about car insurance. If I came to you about life insurance, do you have any clue about life insurance policies that you could sell me or anything like that? And you might have some, but as far as would I call you and say, okay, Sean, you're going to help me sign up for life insurance today. And this is what I need. And this is my coverage. And I need this amount. Well, you haven't been trained in that aspect of insurance. So you would refer me to someone who has been, well, Josh, I know someone that's really good at it. So why don't you give them a call now? Car insurance. I got you, but I haven't experienced that aspect yet. I haven't been trained in that aspect. That's a good answer. Why? Because you're going to be honest and straightforward about what you don't know. And that's okay. Because if you wanted to sell me life insurance or you wanted to go in that direction, you would go take classes on it and then talk about it. Just tying back into what we originally opened with that when someone who is claiming faith, but then claiming they sin, they can't have faith because you're now telling someone to obtain something that you yourself can't obtain. And if that's the case, then you have no business teaching that to anybody. Those are the thoughts that hit me. The other thing that really stuck out to me when you were talking about all of these things, from the aspect of moving forward in faith and a racing aspect, like I spoke about a 40-day concept with having quiet time with Yah, I didn't make it 40 days straight every single night. There were a couple nights, not in a row, but a couple nights where I didn't have that quiet time. And in those moments... Do I, well, I missed a night. That's it. I'm done. I'm over with. I quit. No. Okay. Look, I missed. It's not okay. Tomorrow is another day. I am making it tomorrow no matter what. Concept of a race. If you set out to run a 20-mile marathon and on mile one you trip and fall down. Oh, I tripped and fell down. I'm done. Race is over for me. I quit. Well, did you quit? Just because you fell, get back up. Keep running. You, you can run a race. That's fine. I mean, as long as you didn't break a leg or anything, you can still run that race. So that mindset of perseverance and endurance is when you fall, when you see a misstep, are you determined enough? Is your desire and longing strong enough to say, nope, I'm going to pick myself back up and keep going again. And ultimately, yeah, helps you through that because in those low moments, you need a hope in those to see a, a, a goal at the end of that line or that goal you're reaching. And Yah gives you that. Yah gives you that encouragement. Yah gives you that lift up. 
but sometimes not right away because they want to see, okay, are you going to push through even if I don't give you that, that hand up really quick? And then, okay, well, yeah, no, this is perseverance and endurance. And then as you continue to go through that, when you're actually at a point of exhaustion, not at a point of perseverance and endurance where you've pushed as far as you can push, now they'll step in. Now you've given, because a lot of times we talk about that mind battle and your mind is in a lot more control over your body than your body is over your mind. And your mind will tell you, oh, you're tired. Oh, you're sore. Oh, this. And I, I think you were the one that brought it up about bikes or the 20 mile marathon that after a certain number, it's not a body thing anymore. It's a mind. Oh, absolutely. Mind over matter that you're running that. And I've never run a, a 26 mile marathon, but it is that just seeing people that you get to that point where it's just like on, you're just out of your lower conscience as you're just running that, like you're just, it's on autopilot that you're not, you know, I'm tired. My legs are tired. My knees are hurting. I'm doing this. You're just, you're just hanging on. Cause I've seen people in those triathlons, they'll get to right before the finish line and their, their legs are going bow legged and they're falling over and they got to have people pick them up and they still, but I'm going to get to that finish line, even if I fall across it, because that's the main goal is that you've got to come to the place where you circumcise yourself with Christ. You've got to finish the work. And that's where, when it says, I'll give you rest is that's when you crucify yourself with him, you get rest because you rest from, you've done everything that you can do. Now you have circumcision of the heart. Now, like you said, you can start really running the race with endurance because you have the fullness, like you've built yourself up to where now you're prepared to run this race even till death. And then really up to that point, you're just preparing to really, you know, it's like getting to the NFL level. When do you get to the NFL level? You have to go through the peewee league and then you get high school and then you get college. And then now you're ready for the big time, but it's all the training to get to circumcision of the heart. So really the true race that Yeshua was the author and finisher of is, is really the whole thing where once you're in him, now you start really running that marathon and that's when it's going to start getting hard and the struggles and challenges, but you have the fullness of deity and bodily form that you're able to persevere and endure to the end. And that's the thing is the, the point of running this race is to win it, but it's a humble mindset of the, I want to win it, which means I want to walk and do what Messiah did. Therefore in him, you win. Cause it's not, if it's just you, then you know, it's for nothing, but he didn't run a race in vain. He ran it so that all those that believe in him, that come to this fullness of faith will have eternal life. And it was interesting because we were talking yesterday that I found the scripture that said, not everybody that says, Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. And he makes a huge statement. He says, but those that do the will of my father in heaven, well, the will of the father isn't just, well, well, it is believing in the son, but it's the old Testament. It's everything that he says, obedience to God is their will and trusting God is their will and believing in the son, which means you'll walk in the things of the father and you'll, walk in the spirit. I mean, all these other things. So it's a, it's so much in that, but you've got to realize that it is a journey and it does take time and be patient with yourself and give your time, you know, give yourself time to learn and apply each lesson that you get. And mother, this too shall make clear if you're missing something, you're not seeing something because they know that there's programming in your lower conscience from childhood and all these other things. But 
it's not an excuse. It's just a way to realize that, hey, you can do this. Messiah was able to overcome the world. And because he did it, we can do it. And when he says, take heart, I've overcome the world, he's overcome sin. He's made the, with all of his heart, he set his mind that here I am, I've come to do your will. And that's the thing is that in faith in him, here I am, yeah, I've come to do your will, that you overcome sin just like he did. And you can walk in this life without sin in your life anymore. And you can do that. So it isn't just you just wait for the perfected body. No, you can you can be transformed back to the Garden of Eden because before they were taken out, that the command didn't come. They sin was still there. It just was just dormant until the command came. And like Paul said, sin, sin came to life and I died. Well, you need to be revived. You know, you really need to be not revived, but resurrected. But you come back to the Garden of Eden again because the flaming sword is guarding the way. You have circumcision of the heart. The flaming sword will cut you to the heart. And you're able to enter in the Garden of Eden and walk with Yah in the cool of the day, just like Adam and Eve did. And it's just a beautiful picture is that in the body of Messiah, you walk around in the Garden of Eden on this earth, in the kingdom. And... But once you die, if you die in him, then you'll have the perfected body. Then you'll be in the kingdom forever. You'll be immortal. So the goal is, is figure out by seeking with all your heart, by digging into the word, having conversation with God, figure out what it takes to finish the race. And finishing the race is not making a one-time decision to accept. And and again, we mentioned this because this is our background, that you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior or accept what other religion you're following, whatever God is in that, that that's the way. But you find a way to be in Yeshua, and then that way, and you persevere and endure to the end, which the race is life. You know, you finish the race, meaning you die in faith, um, you die to yourself, and you're able to live again and find your way to do that. But you've got to discover it, you know, just like at the beginning of this, that it's got Proverbs chapter two and all these different things is that you are able, you have the ability, just like we have to discover this truth. And you have the ability to understand it because Abba, Yeshua, and Ema will give you the ability to understand and to be able to do everything that is necessary to find this fullness of faith. And, you know, as we said at the beginning, if you want to finish first, if you want to finish the race, you must first finish, which means you've got to do everything that you can do. You've got to crucify yourself with Christ. You've got to circumcise your heart, which is a steadfast mindset that I'm never, ever turning from this. This is what I'm going to do. And you have to be tested in that and run the race of all those uh, parts. And you have to be baptized. You've got to be immersed, you know, into the fullness of it. And you will be there at the end. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter the paradise of your father. But we must compete according to the rules, which the rules are in the word of God. And it's just an ever-growing thing. And it's just, it's a reality that this faith has ease in it, but this faith is not for the weak-minded. It is for the ones that are going to be strong-minded in God, to have a forehead of flint, to be stubborn, because this faith is for the stubborn, but it's stubborn uh, for the things of Yah, and it's being stubborn against the things in the world um, in this aspect. So, Josh, we've had a really good conversation. I think this is a good uh, wrap-up point. I'm a lot of 
really good Socratic information revelation I wasn't even thinking about. But um, before we leave for the evening, do you have anything you want to tell anybody or anything kind of come to mind as we wrap up? Not really. I, I, I mean, I've had mother give a bunch of different things that have come to mind and, and spoken them all out. So I, I, at this point, no, I, that was a great conversation. Glad to be here and uh, grateful for more time to talk. Oh, I, I agree as well. And you know what this, this something came to mind that when me and Phil had started meeting together for prayer time, you had been there as well a few times. And I had this thought as we were even came over here that it's taken me back to that what that prayer time was about, which was Socratic conversation that we didn't even see and think about it, put yourself back in that thing. What we're doing now is the exact same thing we were doing then. It's just mothers giving us a platform to do it, to reach out and just show an example of this is how you can get a church started with Yah's help that it, it starts with the prayer time, which we're having prayer. We're having a conversational relationship. And it started for us, and I was just like, wow, we were sitting around in the pew or on the floor just talking about, well, what is it about faith? And, well, you know, what is this in the Word and that? And, and it just hit me that this is the exact same thing because we may have had a thought to start the conversation with something, and it goes into another, another direction. Or even if we didn't have anything, well, you know, I, I saw this on TV today or I heard this in a song, and then that just sets the tone for you know, anything else. And that's another lesson we had as well. But just to remind everybody that um, we have a Facebook page, which is Hidden Treasures Revealed. And you'll know it if you type it in, it'll have an anchor and some coins on it uh, that um, is a, a design. And we'll post things here and there on there. We'll have the podcast on there too. And the other thing is we have a uh, email address, which is Hidden Treasures Revealed at AOL.com. And if anybody has any comments or any questions, um, we can, you know, address those in a future podcast because we really enjoy questions because it helps us to learn and grow. And you never know in the future, we may actually take something that somebody says on there and, you know, put it on air. And, um, and we actually have a podcast as well on Saturday mornings at six o'clock in the morning, Eastern time, which, um, we've had some listeners from the United Kingdom, which that's five hours ahead and even, uh, even further in other countries, it can be like maybe 10 to 12 hours ahead. So we encourage anybody that would want to listen in on that to do so. And um, uh, actually this Saturday, the plan is I'm going to be with uh, on the podcast with um, Phil, um, his daughter, Tori, me and her are going to be on the podcast. And she has the task given by mother to come up uh, with where we're going to be starting. So looking forward to where mother will go with that. So we'll see where that goes, Lord willing, but um, just appreciate yeah, I just give you praise for this podcast and just giving us opportunity to reach those people that you want to reach. And um, with that, we are very appreciative of everybody listening in, and we just encourage you to seek God with all your heart, apply the truth that's been given, and you will discover when you seek it with all your heart the things that we have found. And um, we wish, me and Josh, wish a good evening to everybody. We'll see you later. Thank you for joining us today on Hidden Treasures Revealed. We want to leave you with this thought. The greatest treasure in life, and especially in faith, is discovery. If we try to convince you of things, you may gain head knowledge, but if we let you discover things, you will have heart knowledge to know and understand 
and be able to give a good answer for the faith that you have. Treasure hunters seek treasure nonstop. Seek the treasure of God through conversation with them and through their word. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Seek the hidden treasure of God, and you will be blessed by it.